We're all drawn to science in graduate school for a reason. Because we're good at scientific subjects in school, because we love discovering new things, because we want to help others by growing the knowledge base and developing new tools and technology. It's our common thread as holders of master's or doctoral degrees. But not all of us end up fulfilling these objectives in the same manner after graduate school. In today's episode, James Bowers talks about how science brought him from the bench to science popularization to the consulting arena in the science communication space. Networking was kind of more, um, I had to build and create things with people, right? So I had to kind of be, uh, start driving projects and get people to kind of build, do things with me. That was kind of participating in, in filmmaking competitions and, and creating videos and, and things like that with people. And every time uh, I did things, I had a good connection with people because you we were doing things that we were all passionate about. Um, and, and those were the ways that I created the strongest bonds, which I think are still kind of around today. Hi, David here. I'm publishing this episode of Papa PhD during the COVID-19 crisis. A lot of you out there are following the social confinement recommendations and working from home. I hope you're keeping safe while taking care to stay active and connected with your friends and family. With everyone staying mostly at home and limiting social interactions to the bare minimum, I decided this would be the time to meet you, to chat with you. I'd really love to hear from you, to know where you're listening from, and to hear about your reflections on the PhD experience and how you envision your future professional life. So, if you want to talk with me for 15 minutes, go to papaphd.com forward slash 15 minutes with David. That is papaphd.com forward slash 15 minutes with David. I'll put the link in the episode show notes. And choose a date and a time. We'll meet on Zoom, and I will give you a shout out in the following episode. And now for today's episode. James Bowers is a consultant and trainer at Agent Majeur, a science communication agency. Co-author of the upcoming book, Sell Your Research, Public Speaking for Scientists, with Alexia Yuknovsky, CEO of Agent Majeur, he has a PhD in molecular biology and a master's in science media production. Over his career, James has worked in TV production and as a communicator on pop science programs. At Agent Majeur, he trains in public speaking and science writing, consults on communication strategies, and hosts events. Welcome to the show, James. Hi, nice to be here. I'm super happy to, to have you on the show. You have a very uh, special uh, profile, let's say. I, I'm very curious to, to hear your story and how you got there. But, uh, you know, just to start, uh, what I would ask of you uh, would be to simply uh, you know, uh, let the, the audience uh, know a little bit more about yourself, uh, how you got uh, interested in, in molecular biology and, uh, and uh, science uh, in general, and how you then uh, evolved or progressed towards uh, being in media production. So, uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit about your story. 
So, well, I mean, I guess uh, if I start from the very, very beginning, uh, when I was growing up and I was a teenager, uh, in school I had um, uh, lots of things that I liked, but there were two teachers in particular that I, I really, really liked. Um, and uh, I loved the way, the way that they taught, and it made it kind of inspired me to go in their direction with the subjects that I did in my life. So one of them was my science teacher and the other was my French teacher. Um, and so both of those subjects were things that uh, once I finished, um, I guess when I was 18 and I was going to university and everything, those two things kind of really stuck with me forever, um, even to now. So when I went to university, it was definitely science that I was going to study and then I wanted to have a French aspect somehow. Um, and so when I finished my undergrad, which was in biochemistry, um, I managed to kind of set myself up on a PhD course, which was in Paris. Uh, so that kind of added in my French bit as well. So I managed to get to do the research, the science, and do it in France, um, both which were really important to me. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I kind of ended up in a French lab doing my PhD. And so... Uh, I had this fascination as well with like metabolism, which is something that kind of came out, came out in my biochemistry studies. Um, and that's kind of what drove me towards that specific uh, project as well, which was at the Natural History Museum in Paris, um, where they do quite a lot of work in, um, it's thyroid hormone really in the brain. And kind of we were looking at how that interacts with metabolism and so how obesity can affect um, uh, how your brain can control metabolic pathways but then also how fast you age um so yeah i'm not going to go into much more detail mm -hmm. about my phd subject because like most uh, there was more questions at the end than there was in the beginning mm -hmm. um but it was great and 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 it, it was it was a dream come true just to even be there so mm -hmm. yeah yeah one thing that you mentioned that that i i totally agree and that uh, that uh it's kind of it's kind of a when it happens you 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 keep it uh, f with you for life is uh, crossing paths with really inspiring teachers um, and so you mentioned that that you had more of a knack let's say uh, for for French uh, well not not only a knack but you also met teachers that were really good in in uh, in then uh, two subjects that ended up you ended up mixing <laughs> let's say in your PhD um, uh, can you just uh, just a little bit you know can you talk a little bit about how these these teachers inspired you and what what was the what were maybe the the key uh, skills or or um let's say uh, characteristics that that uh, made them special for you yeah i mean i think this is two main ones really the the first thing that inspired me was um it wasn't really anything to do with the subject actually it was to do with the people um i kind of uh i i went to a very kind of normal school um that in english we would say was a bit rough <laughs> um so uh and uh you know i was very quiet and shy and kind of um didn't really you know wasn't really paid much attention to by by teachers um and and these two in particular uh, both women um they both kind of um knew how to pull me out of my shell as a person um, and i don't exactly know exactly what it is but there was something about it that they um had a kind of a, a, a 
kind of just a personality and a human touch that made me enjoy those subjects because it made me feel more comfortable in their class and, and whatever. So, um, I mean, that's like, the first point, I guess, is more, more human. And the second is about how they taught the subjects. Um, so I think we all learn in completely different ways. Uh, everybody, you know, it, it, there's, there's nothing, you know, there's no one or right or wrong way to learn things or to teach things to people. You just have to kind of try everything out. And their teaching methods just kind of, you know, worked with me. Uh, it was, uh, I liked the way that they, uh, they hadn't kind of, they, they got their classes to learn independently and, uh, and interact and, uh, participate. Um, and the way that they taught their subjects just kind of, you know, made me enjoy them and therefore I was better at them. And it just kind of, you know, it was, it was those two things really. And, um, yeah. Excellent. I, yeah, I, I uh, very briefly alluded to what you do today in your in your intro, but you know we didn't really get into into that part of that chapter, let's say. But uh, I'm really curious to uh, to know whether this inspiration and and these aspects, especially the second aspect that you mentioned, whether it it has some effect uh, or or some uh, echoes uh, in in how. You, you you do training or in what you do today but maybe we'll talk about it uh, a little bit later because right now uh, let's kind of follow the chronology right so you you were you did this this phd uh first um yeah at a certain point uh you must have known you must have understood that the the academic path was not something you wanted to follow uh how did how did that uh, happen how was that um realize how did that realization come up for you yeah i mean i think um as with most people who start out on a phd i was uh believed that i was going to finish my phd i'd do a postdoc and then i would become a researcher for the rest of my life i think um, there's very few people that would set themselves out on such a huge task you know thinking completely differently to that um but like a lot of other people also do, about halfway through, I realized it probably wasn't for me. Um, though, like lots of things, I was definitely passionate about my subjects. I definitely really enjoyed doing the research, but I just could not see myself doing it forever. Um, though, I think what probably changed was I, there were, I was lacking some things. I needed some more creativity. I needed some more kind of... Um, uh, things that I guess kind of excite me as well as science. Um, but also there's something about uh, the very specificness of research and having a very specific topic that you work on every single day. And I really enjoy pretty much lots and did lots of different topics and uh, as you said we will probably touch upon what i do now later but I, I do work with lots of different scientists at the moment in lots of different fields and uh, i really enjoy obviously learning each and every one of their kind of different stories and, and their different research topics because there's so much amazing things going on out there and you don't see that when you are in the bubble your, yourself um and so I kind of, I, about halfway through my PhD, I was really looking for things. How can I use what I've done and what I've got and go and, and do something else with that baggage that I've already got? Um, and there was that. And then I think there was the final bit of like, we're hearing a lot about now, but at the time, this, I mean, this, I'm talking about six years ago now, um, 
they, it was a lot, people were talking a lot less about the anxiety and kind of depression and mental health stress that goes with a PhD. Uh, it was just kind of an accepted thing back, back then. Um, and now I think people are really talking about it a lot more. And, and, you know, I did have kind of had to ask my question, is this kind of mental pressure worth what I'm going to get out of it in the end? Um, and I decided that I was going to check other options mm -hmm. before I kind of, uh, stuck with that. Yeah. 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 Well, you touch on a very important point and one that I, I whenever it, it comes up on an interview, I really like to kind of home in on it and, and, and give it more and more time, let's say more airtime, which is mental health. And definitely uh, with with time, especially today, if you go into onto the, you know, graduate school, uh, acad academia, PhD, Twitterverse, it's much more common to see people share and discuss about their their uh, their mental health issues and i think it's a it's a, a it's very important that uh it, it the taboo is broken and i think it it has been uh it has been uh slowly uh eroding compared to when you and i uh were were in the lab uh today i if i feel that people have much more ease speaking about it but for sure It's it's very prevalent. Um, there's you know a lot of uh, graduate researchers out there are feeling, uh, are are living through the, these difficulties that affect their day to day, affect their productivity and their morale. Uh, so uh, so uh, what you're saying, uh, and and please please tell me if I heard right, is that this was some one of the things that weighed on on uh, on you starting to look for something else. Um, Uh, so once once those two aspects kind of made you start to look um my question to you is did you then start uh in uh, you know getting involved in uh, extracurricular activities or were you simply looking at okay when i finish i'm going to i'm going to do, to do this i'm going to do that training uh, how, how how did you go about starting to bring this this novelty and this uh, new uh, this new type of experience and yeah into into your life and into your day to day uh i mean i would i would say yes i agree with you uh that was what happened i don't think at the time i was really thinking about it in that way i wasn't necessarily logically thinking this is the order of things that i need to do to kind of move on to something else it was um a little bit more of a kind of like a lots of different things happening at once um i mean there was a moment i guess about halfway through my phd when uh i did i needed some time off and so i had i had a big break uh well not a big break but i had a, a few weeks off uh which for phd is a lot it's a lot yeah. <laughs> um and uh i kind of i kind of had like a reset and i was like okay well what am i going to do now like how does this um how you know Am I going to finish this thing? Am I going to stop? Am I going to take a longer break? Am I going to um, just completely go and do something else? Uh, and uh, what I had to do was give myself some physical and mental uh, space and then get back to it and then allow myself to try out lots of different things. And so I was constantly on the lookout for like different possibilities i i was taking i was participating in competitions and courses and and everything that kind of was thrown my way that i was interested in at least um uh that kind of uh nourished me i guess with science in a slightly different way um and and all of those things kind of 
culminated, I guess. And so by the time that I finished, I'd kind of got like a little list of things that I had done um, that kind of gave me like tiny little seeds of, of where directions that I could go in afterwards. Uh, yeah. So, so if I understand well, there was a before that break and then there was an after. And after you had said, you, you, you told yourself, okay, I have to do something about this and I'm going to find the, this this uh, uh, condiment that's <laughs> this uh, yeah, this spice that's missing in my scientific life. Yeah, of course, because the after was a tornado of lots and lots of distress and panic and, and, <laughs> and all of like, you know, molecules going around in my head. Whereas uh, afterwards, it was definitely a kind of a clearer mind as in like, hold on, you don't need to rush it. Just take your time, just get through this and, you know, uh, uh, get some uh, touch upon as much as you can whilst you're going through. So, yeah. So it, it seems to me that somehow and and again tell me if i'm i'm seeing i'm hearing right you got busier after your break and your 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 reflection but you were more at peace uh, within yourself even though you were doing more things yeah so it's, it's i would say slightly different i didn't i didn't get busier i just got more efficient so the thing is that like uh i think i i think that a lot of phd people who've been through phd can uh um, empathize with that situation where there's you know you've just had a really stressful time and you're sat at your computer and you stare at the screen and nothing happens for hours <laughs> yeah and nothing comes out and you can't write and you're just working on the same the same sentence it just doesn't work um and after i'd kind of changed my mind about it and offloaded a lot of my stress and worry i kind of um I then didn't have as much of those times, right? So I was much more efficient. I gave myself more time off. I didn't force myself to come in too early or leave too late. Um, I gave myself the physical and mental space that I needed to, to to take part in other things, which actually all kind of helped itself. Um, so I guess it wasn't busier. It, it was just more things in the same amount of time. Okay. So you, you got you had you had an objective. You had a kind of an, an inner motivation, which led you to be more efficient with your time, less... Uh, less time to for for useless thoughts or uh, or uh, or or anxiety let's say i, I imagine because sometimes when you're you're anxious you can you know an idea can or a negative thought can bounce around your head for a long time and and take uh, take a part of that time yeah of course um so can you share a, a little bit about exactly what were these new things or new uh you know the things that, that you got involved in these doors that opened or these opportunities that you took and uh, and how did they arise? Did you have to really go look for them? Were they uh, things organized by university? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so, um, I mean, during the time that I was, I mean, we're still talking about kind of a, maybe a two kind of two-year block of the second half of my PhD. Um, and uh, it was things I knew that I kind of wanted to go into a like science communication. I didn't at the time really know what that meant, but I just knew that it was talking about science probably to a wider public and, um, you know, in a less complicated way. That's pretty much all I had in my head. Um, so I kind of, those were the things that I was looking for really. One of the things that I did was in France, we have um, a yearly festival called Fête de la Science and it's kind of a week in October, I think it is. I hope I'm doing that wrong. Um, and labs all over the country kind of open their doors and do presentations for the general public who come in 
be families or whatever. Um, so the museum uh, is a public museum and they did a lot of stuff like that. So our lab had a couple of presentations. And so I just kind of got involved and asked if I could help out and, uh, you know, or do my own um and I did things like that. And then, I mean, there's loads of opportunities as well where um, there's things like FameLab. So it's also the, the three-minute three thesis competition, basically. Um, I tried out for that, did very badly. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I gave it a shot and I really worked on it. And the idea of working on, I worked on a three-minute speech, which was in French, and I didn't do very well. So I, I didn't go very far. However, because I'd spent so long on it, um, I wanted to use it. So I then kind of made it into this weird YouTube video, um, which was very, very badly produced. But then that meant that I kind of made a few more YouTube videos and um, uh, they got a few views. I mean, not many, but like people, people kind of slightly outside of my closest circle so um you know a few people had kind of seen that i was trying to do these things and, and muddling around um and uh i kind of also participated in others i was in like a web documentary that this science communication website were making and uh, i just kind of got involved in a little bit of everything that it was generally media communication uh, presenting uh, any possibility that i could find and, and when you're doing a phd there are so many things around you like that but you don't always notice them because you're just so focused on what you're doing. Um, but there are loads of other things. And, and I kind of followed them and just, you know, by the time I'd finished, uh, yeah, I just built up a few kind of things like that, really. So you built a kind of a, a small portfolio, let's say, and, uh, and a skill set that kind of was setting you up for what was coming next. It was kind of a, yeah, I guess it was a, what's the, what can we say, like a crash test of lots of different things that I could have done. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah. That's, that's a, a great idea, the, the, the crash test part, because some, some things you're going to try and it, it, it won't, they won't work for you because, you know, because, because it, you're the way, because of your personality, because uh, you end up knowing that, well, they really don't uh, they're not a good fit for the for what for your interests i really like that that you said that that they're uh, crashes I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna keep that one because uh and and this has come up in other interviews but you need to uh and what and what i'm hearing is you gave yourself the the the, the time or you you allowed yourself the time and the right to try things that you weren't sure were gonna work 100 percent and and but try as many as possible to kind of find okay this one i really like more this one a little bit less and uh, i think it's some it's something and anyone uh, that's listening and that wants to delve into something else try try things and uh, just uh, james this was volunteering right Mo most of this uh, yes yeah, yeah i mean all of it was volunteering and um yeah i mean the the I, I guess what you're saying, what, it, what kind of resonates with me really is that you have to go in with no expectation of a result, right? So you go in and you test it and you learn different things from different people. And um, if, you, if you release yourself of the expectation of some kind of success or how that it's going to do well, um, then you can just enjoy it more. Uh, and and then, you, then you can really listen to your voice inside and say like, is this something I enjoy doing or is this something that I feel like I have to do? And those two things are completely different so yeah so you were t trying all these these different things uh, in this new domain but at the same time you were finishing a phd and eventually you were writing a thesis um 
can you you know can tell us a little bit about how you manage that you, you already said that you were much more intent in you know using well using each minute of your day well let's say at its, at its highest potential let's say in terms of efficiency but uh did you have strategies did you have you know tools that you used that allowed you to kind of uh make this this uh like double life <laughs> work in a way yeah i mean like uh when it comes to the end of the phd i mean the the reality is that everything else just takes a back seat right so um whatever i was working on uh and other things that i wanted to be doing everything just stopped uh i and i you know i think a lot of people probably do the same thing like you just have to get it done and there's this kind of like driver of um it's really hard to motivate yourself because you are tired and it's hard and it's not easy and it takes a lot of mental energy but at the same time like there's that put that driver of i just want to get it over and i want to enjoy it and be able to be happy that i managed to do my phd and, and get through it so you you know both of those things together um uh, kind of <laughs> helped me kind of get through that last i guess six months really and you know, everything else was just you know took a back seat nothing else was more important than finishing my phd in those months it does take a lot of focus and there's time constraints and uh and uh, for sure it, it totally makes sense uh, and um you know you were mentioning you were mentioning uh, before the, that reflection break that you took um that that uh, kind of doubt of what was coming after uh had a toll let's say uh on and and it could have taken uh the form of anxiety i don't know exactly how you how you lived through that but did you have um any um yeah any resources that you used to to keep your to keep your inner balance let's say be it before uh finding your 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 goal your or your professional your new professional goal or even in the in the writing and final aspect of uh final part of your thesis Oh yeah, so we're talking about the kind of the, the, that final hurdle, right? Um, yeah, I mean, the, it was uh, focus. Like it's literally that the, the strategy is just well for me was literally motivate yourself because no one else will motivate you. Um, find the energy where you can, um, and I don't think I probably did it in the best way. I mean, <laughs> I look back on my um, on my thesis. Uh, not very often but the, the few times that i have um i kind of thought oh i would have done that differently had i you know done it now or um but uh i guess i just uh what i learned and what i didn't do at the time but what i would say to people now is i think just be just be kinder to yourself right just be, don't be so hard, hard on yourself um and, and trust that you get through it because you know that is very important and uh you, you know and also well because let's say uh, some some people have mentioned well going hiking uh you know they, they find ways to they have different ways to recharge their their batteries let's say their their uh, well the, their mind to 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 put their mind a bit at peace because when you're finishing it can be very unnerving and you can have pressure from i don't know from your supervisor because of time constraints or there can be uh they can be asking you for reviews that you didn't expect and uh, and it can be difficult to to deal with with all that pressure and i was just wondering whether you i don't know uh, you you uh, 
you, I don't know, you juggle or <laughs> you did something, <laughs> something to clear your mind a, a, a little bit. Uh, what, to clear my at the time, I didn't, but I do have lots now. <laughs> uh, but at the, at the time, I think I was probably wasn't. Uh... You were just driving towards that objective, which which makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. Which makes total which sense. probably wasn't the best way at the time, but yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was how I Excellent. did it. <laughs> All right, so so uh, we got to the end now of, of you uh, uh, turning in your thesis. Then that hiatus of okay, I've turned in my thesis. What, what happened next? How did things go? How did you? navigate that part yeah um so uh i mean i think uh, i i stayed in a lab for a few months it's quite difficult uh, to just kind of one day just Up disappear leave, from yeah. the lab yeah. mm -hmm. um because uh as again with lots of other people i'm sure like there's lots of un kind of the, the phd bit is done but there's still like little things to kind of tie off ends um, so I stayed for a few more months afterwards and then uh, I gave myself time off. Like I just, I just had a, um, a couple of months off and um, started really thinking about how I was going to, what I was going to do um, uh, and tried to kind of build some kind of objective and some kind of plan, um, which I hadn't really given myself fully time to integrate before uh, i mean I, i had that kind of list of the little seeds like i told you and then i was kind of like well how can i use these and what can i do with this what how can i make these grow um what can i do with them so yeah i, I guess that kind of that kind of testing around that trial and error just carried on really um yeah so i, I imagine that then uh, if you if you kept now testing new things uh, and and uh, and doing this this exploration of where you could go you met people you uh you uh this must have you know you must you must have uh interacted with different organizations where you developed these activities right yeah so uh i mean for me from what i had kind of done was the the main thing that i was kind of going towards was kind of a media type thing i knew i knew that it was audio visual i knew that um i had enjoyed kind of the making video-y things and participating in that even though you know i'd never really done it to a professional level um and so yeah i mean all of those things they take technique and competencies and, and people um and i carried on meeting people and kind of building things with them i mean i, I think lots of people say that networking is a really really important skill when you're in that that phase there um But as quite a kind of shy, timid person, networking is something that really freaks me out. It's not as easy as like, it is for some people. Um, I, I'm thinking of Elodie Chabrol, who is a, who's a, a, a real like, expert networker, right? And I, I've definitely, um, my way of networking was kind of more, um, I had to build and create things with people, right? So I had to kind of be, start driving projects and get people to kind of build, do things with me. That was kind of participating in, in filmmaking competitions and, and creating videos and, and things like that with people. And every time uh, I did things, I had a good connection with people because you were doing things that we were all passionate about. Um, and, and those were the ways that I created the strongest bonds, which I think are still kind of around today um and and those links kind of fed me into other links with other people and and that's kind of how i networked my way through um i believe a lot of uh, us out there and the listeners uh, if if we a lot of people in in science and in research uh, and i'm thinking of the people i i crossed paths with and are are somewhat towards the introvert 
side uh, i i consider myself to be uh, on that <laughs> on that side too uh but uh definitely you it's it's uh not everyone has that uh, uh capacity to really uh quickly and um and uh, dynamically grow a network Uh, so yeah, being in projects with people is a very good way to establish to establish strong connections and 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 uh, and uh, you know maybe foster future collaborations for sure. I totally agree. There's also something as well that I that I kind of needed. I think when especially when you're transitioning to a new career, you need people to vouch for you. You kind of need people who are respected in what they do to kind of say uh, this guy's good too or i you know i like what he's doing um and the, the best way to do that is to prove it to them right and and, and find a way of showing them that you're that, that you're worth vouching for um it's it's not kind of networking and uh, uh like kissing ass and trying to get people <laughs> to you know it's, it's likes it's, or <laughs> exactly it's, it's it's not it's not the same as that it's more kind of saying okay you need people who are respected to respect you so that then you can become one of the respected ones you know um Uh, and yeah you, you just have to go for it <laughs> yeah and n there's no better way than they than being in projects with these people and they seeing your abilities and and uh, and and knowing firsthand what you're capable of for sure yeah yeah and even if somebody vouches for like your motivation your passion over your technique right because maybe mm -hmm. you're just learning mm -hmm. how to use a camera but if you're passionate about it that's often enough to kind of get you pushed in the right direction Definitely, definitely. Uh, James, this is a great point to uh, to do our little break because now we're going to go into the chapter of you know you were you were looking you were exploring and then there must you must have found uh, kind of uh, you know uh, um, a path to follow a more definite path towards that brought you to where you are today professionally and uh, we'll talk about that on uh, in part two. If you enjoyed the insights shared on the show each week and would like to dig deeper into some of the subjects covered, you can now join the Papa PhD Postgraduate Career Exploration Group on Facebook. There, you will find like-minded listeners, but also a few of the past guests who will be taking part in the conversation. So, to start a conversation, just go to facebook.com forward slash PapaPhD and ask to join. So welcome to part two of uh, of our episode with James Bowers, and uh, James uh, at the end of part two had just finished his PhD, uh, and he was uh, he had taken a break, a very well deserved break, <laughs> and uh, was now again uh, testing the waters to see okay what am I, what is what's my career path what what's going to happen what am I going to do next. Um, and, uh, and one thing that he was mentioning that I find is very important is the importance of, uh, you know, part taking part in projects uh, for, for different reasons. One, having getting hands-on uh, experience uh, of, of techniques, of new do a new domain that you don't know, but then also the human and, uh, and networking aspect of it. Um, so, yeah, James. Uh, so after... This testing the waters period. When did things start gelling for you, and and did you start, uh, or actually, did you did something materialize very clearly at a certain point, or was it uh, again some trial and error uh, that that happened after? Uh, so I think once I finished uh, and I'd taken some time off. I was kind of entered into that kind of <laughs> deep dark hole that is, what do I do after my PhD? 
um, and and the, the reality that it actually is because um, you know uh, I realized that I all of a sudden have was free um, but I had no idea what to do with that freeness um, so I, I did I, I applied for um, lots of different jobs in communi- science communication that was pretty much what I wanted. I knew people who had done science communication officer roles straight off a PhD. So I kind of, that's what I targeted to try and get a way in. Um, and none of that really kind of uh, went anywhere because uh, I was in France and I'd learned French since the beginning of my PhD. So my spoken French is uh, pretty good, I would say, but written, it's never going to be perfect. So Communication writing is a really important skill, um, and so I just wasn't quite at the level that that I needed to be at really. So I, I kind of struggled, and I um, to get like a physical job in what I wanted to do. But at the same time, I still carried on all these like little filmy, projecty, video things, and um, entered competitions, and you know I, I even won a prize with a film, and so it, it kind of gave me that little boost that I needed to um, just keep going in that direction. I uh, and I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to give myself about a year, and if I'm still in this kind of limbo in a year's time, then I really need to kind of do something about it. Thankfully, by the end of that year, I had applied to a, um, a it was a master's course at Imperial College in London in science media production, uh, and it was funded by the Wellcome Trust. So they actually fund two PhD graduates a year. And uh, I managed to get, not the first year after my PhD, but the second year after my PhD, I managed to get um, one of those. So it was just a question of time whilst I was kind of waiting for that master's to come. So uh, in those few months, I just carried on doing stuff. And again, I was, uh, um, it basically uh, culminated in literally the month before I went to do my master's course, I had been through a casting process and got myself onto a TV show as their kind of science explainer. Um, so I was on, I literally was in the, in the studio for a week or so before, uh, not long before I left to go back to London from France um, to go do this master's. And so kind of as soon as that happened, everything just seemed to kind of roll into place. Um, so I went back to the London and by the time I was back there the show was already out on the TV here and so I was kind of already I already then had lots of doors that started opening so um, because I had done the TV show here whilst uh, I got a call from um, uh, one of the science museums here in Paris who I'd applied for a job for but didn't get it but because they could see me on TV they wanted me to come in and do a few months work with them and um, all of a sudden it just all kind of uh, became easier I guess um, None of it was perfect. The TV show did not go on forever. Um, but there, uh, there was a, a sequence of events afterwards that meant that I got more serious uh, experience in what I wanted to do. And then I became a professional. I think people started considering me as somebody who uh, had uh, interesting experience, who, had, um, uh, who needed to do a lot more, but was kind of on the way to, to, to go in the right direction. And then I finished the master's course. And with the master's course, um, I, it basically it's science media production. So they basically train you in radio, TV, and film, but from a science background. So after that, um, they have amazing connections at Imperial with um, loads of production companies in London, 
work for, you know, like BBC and Discovery Channel and, and all these kind of big um, TV names. And so I, I kind of flew out of that, got into TV production and I worked in as a researcher um, for a while, for a, about a year or two. And then, um, yeah, I was then kind of set up really. I kind of had, I was in the right place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah so clearly for the for the master how long was the masters by the way one year it's one year in the uk one year yeah. perfect um for the masters for sure the, so you were selected because you had a phd so your 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 background was very important if not central to you getting into the the program but um i was just wondering the the that year before you got into the masters um how you know how much uh, of what you did uh was um or let, i'm going to put it in a different way actually how much of what you were bringing from your phd did you put to use in the different uh activities the different projects that you got into while you were uh, you, you were testing the different things like you were saying and and before the the masters um yeah a lot more than i thought actually so um, what i there was definitely obviously the science background this the, the the rigor in being able to kind of check scientific sources and making sure that everything was um uh you know scientifically sound but then there was the skills that you have to do have to have as a phd student which was um self-driving you know self-motivating yourself uh, to actually get up and do something and not just sit in front of the tv all day um and you know i realized that that skill was actually something that i uh found so much easier because i was like i've, I've had to push myself so hard for three four years now that now when i'm it's becoming it's just, it just feels so much easier <laughs> um and that kind of independence and just 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 pushing yourself they they um it was a skill. It wasn't something that I naturally had. It was something that I learned through my PhD, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, um, and then, so you, you, you got into, into the masters, you kind of described some summarily what, uh, they were training you on. And you said that there were two PhDs per year that were, uh, brought into the program. Who were the other participants, uh, in the, in the program? What were their profiles? So Imperial College London, they have a really, really good science communication master's course. Um, and they have the media kind of branch. Um, I think they take roughly about 50 students uh, per year between the two. Um, so there's about 50 of us. Uh, and I think there was probably about 12 or 13 of us in the media side. Two of us were the PhD graduates and the rest were people um, coming from straight from undergrad. And other people who had, you know, were maybe a bit older and had, who were reconverting their careers through this course. So there's people kind of at all different stages. Um, you don't have to have a PhD to do it. It was just the funding was only available to kind of. PhDs. Excellent. So, and this is a program that still exists. So, if people out there uh, are, are in London and, and uh, are interested, I guess you would definitely advise uh, that they look into this, this program. Yeah, I mean, that master's course was probably one of yeah, the best things that I did. Um, even though it's not obligatory to do courses to, to stay in kind of this field, I think that experience was really good. I think the Wellcome Trust still fund PhDs, but I'm not sure. I, I, that would need to be checked because it was a few years ago now for me. So um, 
yeah yeah and uh, one thing that i'm curious uh, about is uh today do you stick so does the networking that might have happened uh even just the professors that you that taught you uh at uh, in the masters uh, are are there are they connections that you still uh, keep in contact with uh yeah yeah i mean uh through that master's course was i made a lot of friends uh a lot of people who uh, had similar paths um and uh, a similar way of seeing the world and so uh and who went into completely different things but all around science communication and we stay in contact and uh yes i do have uh, some contact with the professor still i mean <laughs> uh, we ha we haven't talked about it but uh, i um there is i do have a book coming out soon and the professor one of my professors wrote us a um a really nice review of the book because he's he's a really big name so i was very happy that he did that for us um yeah i mean we do we do stay in contact uh, a little bit yeah so well you you're mentioning the book uh, i think it's it's time to to start talking because you you did your master i think that sets you up for for what you're doing professionally today uh, you know considering all all you said uh, uh maybe you'll you, there's other episodes before we got to exactly before you got to where exactly where you are today but we can we can actually uh, start talking about that so once you do this masters you're fully equipped you have all the tools all the the uh, the uh, abilities uh, all the skills to work in that domain plus you have a phd in science so all the the vocabulary and like you were saying uh rigor uh and uh, the ability to embark on long-winded projects it's, it's none of that is something that uh, that uh, uh, fears you or you know or that is uh, uh, foreign to you now so tell us a little bit about what you're doing today and uh, i don't know maybe you can you can start about to talk about the book given that you just mentioned it <laughs> <laughs> yes um well so i think just to kind of fill in the gap i think that that, that those two paths um kind of they, they culminated a little bit later actually so i think um, science and, and tv uh well phd level science and tv aren't necessarily 100 compatible right if we're, because you have to have this uh, tv is entertainment um and phd science is hard research so there's kind of you, you know you have to find a way of building uh, that that gap there um and kind of later on with the experience that i did have I, i i really wanted to come back to france like i said it was one of my uh childhood dreams um and so i i came back and i've been working as a consultant so um now i basically do much kind of broader science communication um and we we consult on kind of uh, we we work with uh, research institutes um we work with uh, charities and we also work with private businesses all who kind of do research and innovation and technology and those kind of things and we help them to get their research seen basically so that can be in the terms of a, a communications campaign or a strategy but we also make videos um we write articles we uh we create events for example we did we recently did a uh a prize award ceremony for scientists which uh, was uh, pretty exciting a couple of years ago and the idea is we're kind of like well how do we take that science that you guys have and make sure that other people see it what what can we do and how can we bridge that gap so that's kind of what what people uh, call call upon us for aja maja um but a lot of also what we do is we train so we we specifically work with um scientists uh, or engineers or 
doctors or um, technicians, people who are in scientific fields, who all of whom do have to communicate at some point at some level in their career, right? So um, whoever you are, I mean, if you're a PhD student or if you are a PI, you are going to have to present your work at some conference at some point, right? Or, or at least do it or a journal club or, um, you know, and or you may have to write about it. But also now in terms of if you... Um, for example, if you have a grant, like a European grant, for example, there is always a part, a section, which is communication. You can't get away with it. You you have to do it as part of your project. So um, the, you know, the training that we provide is public speaking and writing. And also we do also do some social media training and digital as well. So all of those things are kind of aimed at that audience and uh, how can they themselves actually do things to make their communication better. Um, yeah. So. yeah, I was going to ask about uh, about social media because now nowadays I see a lot of uh, people out there, uh, you know, posting about the, their article that came out. Um, you know, you, you see that somehow uh, people in labs are are kind of taking um, taking uh, um, ownership of their research and putting it out uh, on different platforms out there on their own and uh, and. Uh, you know not everyone is uh, has has the the, uh, the the right tools or the right skills to do it the best way possible and i guess that's where you you guys come in and especially when you were talking about grants you need to be real, really good at how you write things how how you if you want to win the grant right <laughs> uh, there's money on the line so I, i guess that's that's probably why also you people come to you right But there, there are, well, I mean, we in general, there's two types. I mean, we uh, generally, the people who hire us are not going to be scientists themselves, right? So it will be the institute around the scientists. So this can be, for example, a university communications department might hire us in, and then we will train their scientists on their behalf. Um, or a, 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 a lot of charitable foundations, they will also have a comms team who will kind of bring us in and we will then help them kind of communicate around their scientists. Um, But I mean, th there is always a benefit for scientists to communicate their research in whatever way it is and to do it well. I mean, you said um, that there's money on the line. There is money on the line. It's not just getting the grant. It's also once you have the grant, uh, how do you get good collaborators? How do you attract good PhD students? How do you, um, you know, get people to cite your uh, your work, right? We, we are seeing that people... Um, who post their uh, publications on Twitter, they are being cited uh, quite regularly because somebody noticed their work on Twitter. Um, and th there was a study, I think, that was done recently. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you know this already, but um, that showed that any scientist who has over a thousand Twitter followers, uh, their reach becomes more exponentially big. Um, so people who use Twitter a lot as a scientist, it actually does help them get seen. And there are so many, so many advantages. Um, yeah, so, we, I mean, we try and help them to do that. So. Yeah, and, and in the past, you know, your your data, once you published, was behind a paywall, right? Which which was the, the publications. Uh, and, well, now there's there's uh, open science, there's different things, but the, the like you were, you were just alluding to, the fact that uh, having, <clears throat> having a, a good grasp of social media uh and and you know putting your 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 results out there um 
the fact you know the fact that that's that has a real impact on your reach and and on even eventually your citations because i i think that's what what we're talking about in the end uh, it's 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 a it's quite a a change from uh, let's say 10 uh, 15 years ago uh, things this, this this reality did did not exist at least not in this format let's say it's super interesting to see it uh, develop yeah it's changing it's changing but there's also now like something that i think the thing we train in most is public speaking that's kind of uh, we do a lot of pitch training because that has just become this thing that uh, everybody you know there are competitions there are um, pitches for funding there are other things like that that um the short format pitch. you were mentioning the three minute thesis is it's another type yes. of yeah 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 sure yeah, exactly. And this this is something that, you know, um, there are loads of skills. And that's what our, our book about is, really. So we've kind of taken all of the experience that, I mean, I've been here for two years, but Azure Major has been around for 12. And they just kind of like, they have a method which is called the SELL method, S-E-L-L, as in like, uh, sell we the book's called sell your research but it's in three steps and um s-e-l-l and basically what the idea is that they've pumped in all of this experience from 12 years of all these examples of where you know people scientists have done good presentations but um in within their kind of format right so we know that you may be able to watch a really expensive tv show or, or even a big ted talk and see a really big demonstration most scientists in the lab don't have access to those kind of skills right we have powerpoint um and you know other small things you might be able to bring a sample in or something like that um so how do you build a good presentation around the materials that you have access to um and that's kind of what we tried to do really kind of giving the skills to people um to kind of talk about their research in a way that we kind of, you know, we hope works because we, <laughs> you know, we've seen lots of people use it. So, yeah, yeah. I have a, a question for you uh, and a curiosity that arose as you were talking, which is how much, how often do people that come to you um, mention um, the the maybe a, a, a kind of a preoccupation or a, a, a desire to take more ownership of where their their science is uh, is presented and how i'm just asking because in the past you know you've we've seen corporations use science to sell things we've seen uh, different media outlets uh, distort or wrongly represent uh, science uh, science news that are out there um, how much how much of a worry is that in the scientists mind in your experience um, I think it is a preoccupation, but I think that also feeds into uh, what a lot of what we try to do when we're training, right? Because we're giving scientists the tools to talk about their own work by themselves, right? So I think a little while back, there was quite a lot of people who would be kind of spokespeople for the scientific community, right? And they were, especially in media, they would kind of be called upon and they would be the all-seeing, all-knowing people that would kind of give the information. Sometimes false, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the only way to protect uh, your information from being distorted is if it comes from your mouth because you're the expert and you did the work. And so if you have the tools to communicate your own work on your own with help, then that's probably the right way to go. Um, and, and that's kind of a lot of what we do. But I, and a lot of people do agree with that. But a lot of people don't feel like they have the skills to be that person necessarily. Um, so there is kind of that uh, d 
you know, I agree. Yeah, I think that lots of people would prefer it to be them. Yeah, and I think uh, for you know we're we're seeing, and I think you you just uh, you agreed before that, uh, and that it's been published. You no, know, that that people are putting their science out there themselves. Uh, this is one way to go, but. Um, One thing you were mentioning was that if you communicate your science well, this is uh, one potential way to attract good collaborators. Uh, but um, you said that universities can can train their their scientists. So, uh, is that also maybe a way to you know get better students uh, as a university? Uh, what actually? Let's put a, uh, the question in another way. What? Would you say for scientists out there who want to go get into into science communication and and want to start uh, talking about their science in a in a more professional way, let's say, what would be their the benefits that they would be getting from uh, from getting a training like this? Ah, okay. So, what are the benefits from for for the um, for the scientists th themselves, the person who has a lab or yeah. or the postdoc who who needs to go to like three conferences and has this yeah. huge result to present. Yeah. Okay. So, for, in its very very basic form, for me, communication and very specifically science communication is about expressing an idea and expressing an idea well. And the better that you express express your ideas, the better that that idea can then be shared to somebody else and can be built upon and can grow. And if you communicate better, uh, whether it's between you and other scientists, whether it's between you and the general public, whether it's between you and your funding body, the better that you communicate, the more uh, impact your ideas will have. Um, and the, yeah, that's why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, it, it totally makes sense. Uh, and now, because, you know, we're talking here about big organizations uh, that, 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 you know, that, that call upon uh, Agent Majeur. But if you're, let's say now that you're a, a, a graduate researcher or a postdoc and, um, and you want to start, you know, getting better at, at this skill of communicating your science, are there other tools or, uh, well, now cl clearly there's a book coming out, right? Sell <laughs> 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 your research, yeah. public speaking for scientists. Uh, and and, yes. uh, and uh, I, I think... Uh, And I'm. When is this coming out? By the way, this is a very important question. Okay, so I actually I'm a bit embarrassed because I don't have a specific date, but I know that it's 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 April, so probably in a, a uh, end of April, so in about two months. Well, from this recording, from this recording date, yeah. which it'll be closer to the the air date, but for sure, what I one of the things I want to do is to uh, well to ask you to keep me up to date, and I'll put the link in the show notes whenever the book is out is out. Um, but, uh, again, I was, I was mentioned, not again, <laughs> I was mentioning in the break, uh, I was mentioning, uh, to, to James that I, uh, when I decided to start the podcast, well, I found this book, uh, actually on, uh, um, on, on, on one of these book platforms that there was a lot of good reviews saying, this is a blueprint to start your podcast you know, buy it, read it, you'll be able to start your podcast. And, and that's the resource I use to start Papa PhD. So a good book uh, can be a very good way to have a condensed uh, repository of information to help you 
really develop one skill. Uh, and anyway, I'm just saying that out out of my experience. But okay, the book is not. It's not, now we're the, at the time of the, this recording. The book is not out. Are there other um, resources out there that that you you know that you could uh, point uh, listeners towards that where they could hone their skills in, in science communication? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's there's loads of things out there. I mean, you just have to type uh, science communication blog into Google and there is tons of things mm -hmm. that will mm -hmm. come up. Um, I mean, it depends on what kind of communication you think you want to uh, work on. Um, but I think uh, probably one of the best examples is Pint of Science. If you want to do, uh, if you want a chance to kind of speak in front of people, um, Pint of Science is, you know, available everywhere in the world, pretty much. Um, so you can always register and give it a shot and, you know, uh, get feedback from what people think about um, what you've done. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and Pint of Science, just uh, uh, for, for the listeners out there, if you go back to... Um, to the episode with Elodie Chabrol. Uh, it's, an, it's in French, so again, it's going to be for the listeners who are, who are French-speaking. But uh, so El Elodie is uh, one of the founders of Pint of Science, and the concept is uh, there's a couple of days uh, in spring where pub, you know, throughout the country where you are, there's going to be different pubs where instead of uh, having just a pub quiz or whatever, there's going to be a couple of scientists talking about their science while everyone is drinking beer around them and asking them questions. So first, if you're curious about science and, and uh, if you want to meet like-minded like people, go to, go to one of these events. And if you're a scientist and want actually to, to you know, dive uh, your toe and, and test the waters of uh, public speaking, definitely, definitely a great idea. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way. But there's something also that I think you know, sometimes scientists aren't quite aware of is that, um, as I said, they are all there are lots of communications departments around them, right? That may or may not feel visible. But if you want to do some more kind of get involved in communicating more, then just look up the communication department of your university, your institute, or your funding body, and there will be people there who I'm sure will be happy to help you um, to get involved in things because they always love that <laughs> in a university uh yeah most universities will have they'll ha always have a communications team but most will have a research communications okay. team as well okay yeah. okay excellent because I, uh, I did my phd at an institute it was at mcgill but it was at an institute and i i do remember that yes the, the institute mcgill has their communications but the institute itself had their independent communications office for sure so this is this is great advice definitely uh and again if you're generous with your time, you know, go volunteer and take part in events. And they, sometimes there's training also. Some, some, I've in, at my university in Portugal because I, I did uh, my, my PhD is, is uh, my PhD program was from the University of Coimbra. They now have a lot of training that they offer the, the, the PhD program students on on science communication. So anything that your program, that your institute, that your university offers, definitely take advantage of it, take part in it participate and you will learn things you will meet people and it'll open your horizons for sure um james uh we're kind of getting to the the, the end of the interview um i yeah i, I was just uh wondering whether there was something else that, that we wanted to talk and the thing that i that i now remembered was okay today you are teaching uh, you know, within this organization that you're part of, you're teaching people to talk science, which is kind of teaching people 
how to teach in a way, but but to use a, 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 diff a different level of language or a different uh, a different. Um, uh, you know, a different. It's not even a question of level per se, but uh, you need to adjust how you talk to the the, the audience that you're talking to, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure mm -hmm. this is one of the things you teach. Yes. But where yes. I was going, and it's kind of uh, going back to the beginning, those teachers that you said inspired you, and the only thing I kind of wanted to ask, uh, looping back, is how how much do you feel that the, the, that energy that you got from them and that uh, that inspiration that you got from them, how much do you feel that it echoes in what you do today? And how do you feel now teaching people how to how to uh, gain these skills and how to how to talk about science in a in a more professional in a more uh, uh, e efficient way? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you look at it that way, <laughs> and if you close close the circle in that way, um, I have a lot to um, uh, thank those teachers for. I think they they just by being who they are kind of pushed me in the right direction, and I'm very happy with what I do now. Um, and I'm definitely you know exactly where I want to be. And it's not only because of them, because there has been like a long few years between. Then and now, but uh, definitely the, that grit, that what they gave me, kind of set me out on the right track. So that's very, um, uh, yeah, it's it's very touching actually. But the <laughs> um, and you know, I don't feel like I'm necessarily. Uh, uh, I don't think I'm necessarily. I'm not trying to necessarily inspire people. I feel like the way that they are. What I'm trying to do is, I'm just trying to help people to uh, have the tools that they need to do uh, to communicate by themselves and have the confidence to speak in front of people where they may not have confidence or uh, to trust themselves and trust that their research has value. And those things there, I think, are if, um, if I manage to get those things across, uh, then I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. I agree with what you're saying, but I seem to remember that one of the things that you told me about these teachers is that they they kind they saw you in a way they you felt uh, you felt that uh you were so you were um wow i'm now missing i'm missing the words um um maybe it's a bit exaggerated the way i'm going to say it but you felt that the way the attention they gave you kind of uh you felt like like you existed for them. You were not just another yeah. student in class. And somehow, yeah. I feel that this, that what you just said, that you were helping people have confidence in themselves, I feel, for me, that there's something there, there's a connection there between that and, the, and how you felt when these two people made you feel that you existed and that, and that you were important for them in their class. Yeah, I think that's pretty correct. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, maybe it's a bit uh, a bit uh, out there, but uh, I don't know. I, I to me, uh, maybe I'm a bit I'm romanticizing, <laughs> but I feel that it, it's cool. I, I'm saying this because I myself have always wanted to teach or kind of not, I've liked the the idea of helping someone learn something that either they have difficulty learning or or some something that's complex and they and to get them see that have that aha moment and and uh for sure i've appreciated every teacher or professor in the past who has given that 
that to me and uh, and uh, I think and I feel that you you feel part of your realization that I feel that you have today comes with uh, a kind of a, this you know job well done feeling of I got this person to perform above their expectations yeah or at least to feel good about it <laughs> yeah yeah or at least to feel good about it yeah because it can be especially for we were saying you know uh, we're talking about introverts in the beginning and it can be it can be a a, a big obstacle to uh, to overcome uh, this uh, this introvert uh, nature let's say <laughs> anyway yeah, definitely uh, i i find it super super interesting I, and and i and i find it super cool that that you were able to find this space where you're not only very close to science because you're hearing like you were saying about all the things that these people do be they engineers medical doctors etc so you're you know you're swimming in it uh, constantly and and you can you can feel very you can feel that you have the pulse on what's happening let's say scientifically but also you are uh, you are feeding that that uh, that other aspect of what interests you which is media communication and and you you made it your job it's it's uh, it's super super cool yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so, James, uh, now the, the last thing I'd like to ask you is, uh, you know, thinking about all of this that we talked about, and again, it's really easier to make, you know, sense of your life looking back, uh, you know, than, the, the, than what it looks like when you're living it, right? It's more chaotic when you're living it. But looking back at, at all you, 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 were, you, were, you told and, and thinking of where you are today, just reimagining you at that time of being maybe uh you know at the end of your phd uh or at when you know that week that you took or that time that you took um to think okay i need to do something i need to change something someone who's at that stage uh i'd like to think you to think of a listener that's at that stage and think of two or three you know uh pieces of advice that you could share with them to help them um to help them uh find their path uh, and uh, and um you know have a, a, and and take uh take steps and taking uh, you know actual steps towards a fulfilling professional uh path professional career path uh yeah okay so i think if we specifically think as well about the those few weeks that i that i had off during my phd which were extremely important to me um uh, I think that um, I would give one piece of advice just, and uh, it's just stop. Literally just stop what is happening right now and give yourself some time off. Like we get so sucked up in all these things and we just forget about everything and our objective to, to, to kind of get through in PhD, but also in life can sometimes help us, let us forget the most basic important needs that we all have, which is our health. So uh, you need to make sure that you eat well, sleep well, exercise and take breaks. And those things um, may sound very basic and cliche, but most people during their PhD don't do those things. And I don't just mean a break as in like going to the pub after, with your PhD mates after a long day at the lab. Uh, I mean, actually taking a weekend off and going away somewhere or, um, uh, you know, actually not doing anything, not reading anything about science and giving yourself some time going to bed properly and eating and drinking water. And if your body is healthy, then your mind can be as efficient as you need it to be. Um, so, yeah, but you, you cannot do that if you do not stop and actually let yourself do those things properly. Um, I totally agree. And it's true that once you're in that, in that tunnel of, 
of getting data and uh, repeating experiments that are failing uh, you can you can get into a very bad tunnel vision thing where where you where you lose sight of these very very important things and like you say they they seem simple but it's also very simple to forget about them and then your health and your and eventually your phd is going to suffer for it because you won't be at a at 100% of your capacities and if you could even have a mental breakdown etc 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 so for sure all right excellent james thank you so much uh for for the uh, for your advice uh, i think it's it's very like you said it's it's it sounds simple but it's very important now Uh, if people want to know what you're up to or reach out to you, uh, are there some links, some uh, hand, Twitter handle that you would like to share right now? <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, the first one is I have my own Twitter handle, which is at Jim, Jimbologist. So it's J-I-M-B-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. Uh, and uh, that's mine. And then obviously there was our company. So it's at Azure Majeur. Um, And you can follow kind of both of what we're doing uh, on, on there. Um, we also have a blog as well. So it's azuremajeur.com slash blog. Perfect. Easy. Excellent. Yeah. I, I will put all of those in the, in the show notes. And uh, um, in the, yeah. Uh, so also one thing, can, can people uh, reach, reach out to you through, through your uh, Twitter account to, if they have questions uh, about the career, about uh, maybe about the master's? Of course, of course, yeah, yeah. My door is always open. All right, so for the listeners out there, James is very approachable, and uh, and he has a great uh, a great journey behind him, uh, with with um, a lot of lessons learned that for sure will will uh, uh, will give you some inspiration. James, thanks a lot for having come on on the Papa PhD podcast. I I really had a lot of fun chatting with you uh, and uh, learning about your journey. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, all the best for your your projects and for the book launch so again i will i will keep up to date with that and and put updated links whenever it comes out brill thank you